The following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. Go to ProWrestlingOnly.com to enjoy other fine podcasts, as well as match reviews, book reviews, video game reviews, and of course our forums. Let's start the show. Hello, Thunder Buddies and Travellers down Thunder Road. It is us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, here as part of the PWO Podcast Network. I'm your host, your navigator on Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I'm joined by my faithful co-host, Lee Malone. Lee, how are you this evening? I am much improved on the last time we did the show. How are you? You were at death's door, my friend. I, te- when last I was clinging on to life. Of you know, thunder pushed me right to the edge. But oh well, Slamboree was actually sorry. Um, yeah, it was Slamboree last time, wasn't it? Uh, Slamboree, yeah, yes. Episode, yeah. Um, yeah, that that pushed me pretty close to the edge. But uh, yeah, no, I'm fully recovered. Had a couple of days off work as well, which helped, and mm. fully refreshed and ready for more thunder. <laughs> you're ready you're back in the saddle that's that's good to hear kicked out a two as always what a pro uh yeah I, i'm good as well um can't really complain um i'm kind of well i will be complaining quite considerably about the show we had to watch but uh other than that stuff is going well um at the moment i'm heading off to, to glasgow for a day next week um to go see ghost oh nice uh, with friend of the show Ian Seaton yeah I'm going to go see them twice in one week I'm seeing them in Glasgow on Monday and then going to see them in Dublin on Wednesday um, so yeah that, that should be a good time and it's it's actually nicely coincidental that it falls on a week that we aren't recording because that would have been trying to fit that shit in <laughs> we could have just skipped the podcast like <laughs> yeah no I'm, I'm a professional we haven't missed one yet we actually haven't yeah Jesus yeah we were slightly we slightly missed our usual window once because of that one that was an absolute nightmare to edit but otherwise we've been doing well so far um, I mean I can't believe you didn't get it up on time that's shocking <laughs> first time for everything I guess <laughs> uh, buddy before we get into the, the meat and potatoes of the program um, let's talk about uh, some cues that we have A's for uh, we, we threw out uh, a tweet there a couple of hours ago before we start recording saying if anybody had questions either Days of Thunder related or not just, just throw them in the hopper and we're going to answer them. So um, I think I think we should tie our first question into what we normally do on the show and talk about what beer we're drinking. Yeah, let's because uh, our first question here coming from Jeff at Strong Style Story, one of our uh, our our podcasting stablemates at PWO says, "Does Lee ever drink beers he can pronounce?" Lee, what are you drinking this week? Listen, Jeff. <laughs> Here he is. I am well able to pronounce Tsing Tao. And if you don't like pronunciation, <laughs> that's on you. 
<laughs> and I'm quite now, happy with how I'll, I pronounce things. Thank you very much. Yeah. Now, as Lee tucks into this lovely pint of gyness. <laughs> um, yeah, now, I'm actually drinking something that's been mentioned a few times on this podcast. I actually put up a picture. Yes. Yeah, one of my faves. One of your absolute faves, and I got it in your honour, because I've never had it before. Oh. As I crack it open. And see the way it doesn't spill over for me the way it would for you. No. But then you've gone with a can instead of a bottle. That's my problem half the time. I didn't see any bottles, I just saw cans. Every time I see them, I see cans. Yeah, with that with that particular one. But leave them in suspense no longer. What is it, it you're is drinking? It is a Blue Moon Belgium White. Yeah. Love a blue moon. Did I pronounce that one correct? You did, yes. <laughs> See? See, Jeff? It's only you. Yeah, I was thinking about working you and saying it's actually blue a moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, hang on. Oh, oh. Ooh, that's nice. That is nice. It's good, isn't yeah. it? It's crisp. It's crisp. Ooh, I could drink um, a few of them. Yeah. I'm sticking with citrus myself this week. Um, and I've gone with a brand new beer. Um Ooh. Because uh, German budget supermarket chain Lidl are actually known for carrying quite a selection of beers um, Mm -hmm. that you don't really get in a lot of places. So I've gone with, uh, courtesy of the Hatherwood Craft Beer Company, the Bitter Iron IPA, which is described as a light and golden in colour with a citrus aroma and a bitter finish. So that's what I'm... It's kind of like this podcast, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely a bitter finish, that's for sure. Very much. Are you I, I do on the love, can as I well? Lo- yeah, I do love a citrusy beer mm-hmm. or ale. Um, so allow me to uh, do the taste test here. This was only, I think, 129 of my finest euros. That is not bad. I think this comes down to about two quid a can. Mm. Yeah, that's quite nice. It has your, your typical hoppy kind of IPA aftertaste, mm-hmm. but... Like up front, there's like a rush of lemon zest. I like that. I like that. That's a that's a wake up beer. That is. I might have to take a trip into Little this week. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's also one that I will probably debut on the next episode. That's in the same line, and it's it's it's, it's an orange flavored pale ale. Um, I can't remember the name of that now, but that that will probably be my next beer on the show. So to look out for that one. The orange um, would be more of my alley than the than the uh, lemon. Indeed. Uh, speaking. Of beer questions. Uh, question in from Gary on Graps. Best beer you've ever had at a wrestling show, Lee? Uh, I'll let you take this one first. Well, I can tell you what beer it wasn't. It was, do you, do you remember when OTT went all cheap and got in the, uh, I think it was Czech gold? Yeah. My God. N- not even Dutch gold. Not even Dutch or Danish or... No, this was Czech gold. And it was possibly... The worst can of alcoholic of beer I have ever had, right next to tenants, and that's yeah. saying something. <laughs> and they they were very rarely chilled, weren't they? Oh, they were always warm, and it was disgusting. And uh, yeah, which, oh. which I find like I can tolerate most beers if they're nice and cold, but I think almost all room temperature beer is trash. Yeah. Uh, it definitely wasn't that uh, best beer I've had at a show. It's a tough one. Yeah, because, I, like, I mean, I don't really drink at shows anymore. Yeah. And uh, this is it. Like, I've had a thing since I was a teenager that, uh, like, at festivals or at uh, gigs or at uh, wrestling shows, I don't really, like, I'll have maybe one or two. 
mm. at most just to kind of refresh myself especially in the days of the Tivoli where it was just like hotter than the surface of the sun in that building um but yeah typically I I wouldn't I I usually like to keep a clear head and kind of take the whole mm-hmm. experience in for myself that's just the kind of way my brain is wired and it probably comes from that music festivals kind of I I would always timetable myself fairly well that I was getting my value for money going band 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 all day long and not staggering so, all day long like most people yeah exactly like I have ma- I have mates who will go unnamed on this podcast for legal reasons <laughs> who uh, due to a combination of, of beer and perhaps other substances uh, did not make it out of the campsite sometimes <laughs> in the morning um I know there was somebody who was kind of a friend of a friend of a friend who was uh, stuck in a, in a K-hole having taken too much ketamine and basically spent three days in the woods at a festival and we didn't see them until the Monday morning. That's a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Drugs are bad, kids. <laughs> yeah, they really are. <laughs> um, getting back to our question, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat on this one a little bit. I'm going to go for the best beer I've had pre-show. Okay. And I'm going to say it was a stout in the International Bar, just beside the uh, National Stadium. Mm. Uh, I yeah. can't remember who made the stout. It wasn't McGargles. It was, it was an Irish company, but I can't remember exactly who it was. But, my God, it was as nice as a Guinness, and it was gorgeous. Wow. Um, so, yeah, at a, at a wrestling show, if I'm going to drink... Um, I, I would say if I went your version of the question and extended it to pre or post show, mm-hmm. uh, I would say uh, a, a nice pint of Hogarden in the Grand Social is something I used to make uh, a regular thing after OTT shows with uh, with, with Amo, mm. um, and and that was always enjoyable. Again, a, a nice kind of citrusy uh, Belgian beer for that. Um, but at a show, again, the, the the venue we've both been to the most over the years is probably the Tivoli. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the Tivoli, um, the heat is such that you don't really care. You just want something cold. And if you're thinking of a cold, hydrating beer, you can't really do much better than the likes of a Coors Light. Something that you could knock back a few of without having any real ill effects. But especially you just need to get in the Tivoli where there wasn't a lot of choice yeah especially on draft there wasn't a yeah, lot of choice no there really wasn't um, um, but yeah no I, I think yeah, I, I really can't think of anything at a show that was actually nice so mm. uh, something I tagged on to Gary's question here uh, bending the rules a little ask my own question uh, best pre-show meal you've had you just want me to talk about the place you picked last time don't you where did we go oh yes I forgot that was the yeah yeah that was only yeah, a couple just, weeks ago. Just have to be your choice as well, didn't it? Yeah. No, no. I like I meant it's, all it's time. It's amazing that you you put that question. In. <laughs> I genuinely <laughs> forgot that because I was I, I the reason I thought the question was like well the only food we ever had probably at the venue is like the the pretzels at the Turban and Halla. Oh well, the the cold pizza at OTT. Cold pizza at OTT. Yeah, if you could make it up to the merch table at at halftime. Um, but in terms of uh, like, what's your like if you were at a show tomorrow and mm. you kind of had free reign over this is the thing I want to have to keep me going through a wrestling show what would it be mm. I'll tell you what, what while you're thinking of that I'll give you just to track back to the drinks for a second uh, the greatest uh, experience of somebody uh, imbibing at a wrestling show I ever saw was when I was in Dallas for Wrestlemania 32 Um. 
I was at the WrestleCon Super Show, infamous for being the one where Karen Jarrett was had imbibed herself, uh, I believe, and just uh, was roaring abuse at the crowd during the, the Team Jarrett versus Team Joey Ryan match. Mm-hmm. Um, during that, uh, F4W uh, board legends, Amo version 1 and Americool were beside me, uh, downing Prosecco. <laughs> Because it was all that was left at the hotel bar. The Jarrett's were on one, were they? Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, but yeah, best food before a show. I, I, I can think of I, one myself. I can think of one that I would go for every time if I was had a show every day of the week. Mm-hmm. And one place I would gladly go like five days out of the seven. 360 in Oberhausen. Build a, build a burger. Yeah. Build a burger is a classic. It's a rite of passage if you come to WXW in Germany, gentle listener. Uh, you go in, 360, it's down in Centro, which is near the Turbine and Halle. Uh, one stop over on the tram, or a 10-minute walk. And uh, yeah, you basically get a form to fill out what you want uh, on the burger, uh, which kind of spares your embarrassment having to ask them what all the words mm-hmm. mean you can just kind of google it on your phone what these words mean in english uh, or if you have our good friend jamie od around who has that thing that like you can point the phone at it and it instantly translates on the screen which is great um yeah that's a quality burger uh, and their love of sprinkling paprika on their steak fries as well it's like is great stuff um, the other one I was thinking closer to home, uh, Lee, something that we made a habit for like the guts of a year, I would say, would be Wow Burger. Yeah, ooh, forgot all about Wow Burger, actually, yeah. Yeah, we haven't had one of them in a while. Uh, basically, like a Five Guys, for those of you who aren't familiar with Wow Burger, uh, except with the fries, you can get garlic butter fries. Oh, garlic butter fries. It's not even yeah. the burger anymore, it's, it's the fries. That's the yeah. big draw. It's the fries. Uh, moving on before we make everybody listening hungry here, Lee. Uh, coming in uh, from Pork Sweats, uh, or as he is now known at the moment, Pork Sweat has and rules ass on Twitter. Uh, what is the better sea show, worldwide or Saturday night? Hmm. See, I think we used to get worldwide over on, was it Channel 5, wasn't it? This would have been, bef- I think, before my, my WCW watching days. But that does sound right, that there was something on a Channel 5. But but see, Channel 5 wasn't that prominent over here in Ireland. Yeah. And I didn't see a lot of it. It, 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 same- it was your absolute posh boys that had a bit of Channel 5 in the day. Well, it was everyone in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> All the Tories. Yeah. Potato, potato. Um <laughs> And Saturday night, I don't think we ever got over here. No, um, I, I we knew of it, mm. uh, but so I, it's, I, it's, I I definitely didn't see it until years after the fact. Yeah, like for me, it'd be going back and watching Saturday nights that are on um, YouTube or whatever. So uh, I'd, I'd say worldwide because worldwide seemed to have like a lot of crazy pairings like you just see random matches from people you never expect to share okay, so it was on sorry I'm just looking at uh, Wikipedia here not like us to research but uh, beginning in 1991 WCW Worldwide was broadcast uh, in the UK on ITV TV. okay yeah uh, I, I did I did think that was what it was on ITV yeah. I just wasn't 100% but, sure uh, you see this is probably why we you wouldn't have seen it back in 1991 it wasn't airing until 1 or 2am 
okay. it was on around the same time as America's Gladi- American Gladiators and America's Top Ten. Uh, it was also broadcast in British Wrestling's old Saturday afternoon slot from late 1995. However, the show was moved back to the late night slot and dis- then disappeared from the network. Uh, it, in 1999, then, it went to Channel 5. There you go. I, I do remember the brief run yeah. of 95 because I think it was on in the afternoon and it was like a Baywatch yeah. uh, WCW and then games, movies and Oh, TV, movies and video games or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, I, I used to watch that all the time. It was like um, my first interaction with the concept of movie trailers. Yeah, but it was just, I think that was like, that was the, the run, that was the order they went in for a little while. Yeah. And that's phrase. <laughs> yeah, all the great ITV shows. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I suppose I'd have to say Worldwood. Yeah, you'd have to say that by default. I know from doing our run of Thunder at the moment, just reading about the matches that are happening, the part of me that loved bad WCW would have fucking loved Saturday Night if it was oh, yeah. on now. Um, I wish we had had access to that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't know if we'd still be into wrestling so much if we well, were I mean, watching that. I mean, we survived Livewire and Metal, so... Yeah, that's true. We did talk about how much WWF we were consuming in the late 90s, so <laughs> if we can survive that. Uh, Lee, also from Pork Sweats, uh, who is the best member of the NWO B team? Mm. For, for me, I think by virtue of the fact that he, he just seems to be relegated to the B team, but would be kind of, to me, like an A2 or B plus team just by time served in the business, Kurt Hennig. Is he B team? I don't know. He's not A team, is he? Like in my heart, he should be A team. Um, like but, to me, the B team was guys like Stevie Ray, Brian yeah. Adams, um, who else was around? Uh, Vincent. Virgil, Vincent, um, Mike Rotundo. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Fucking. Oh. Conan. <laughs> So um, who would your favorite be then? Well, my favorite, uh, <laughs> your your least, uh, your least worst B team member. I'd say Stevie Ray. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can't like you can't look past Sucker's got to know, um, and you know we'll be talking about him in due course. We will actually, yeah, episode. for the first time. Uh, a question here from Bo's Johnny: When did you become masochists? <laughs> After breakfast. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. It's a it's a real psychosis we have in uh, in picking to do this show, um, especially as things start to careen off a cliff. Um, what what I love I, is every every time we talk about it with our friends at shows and stuff, and they're just like, "Why why are you doing this?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll get we'll get the I think the token line we get when people talk to us about the podcast is like, "We love the podcast, but." we wouldn't dare in a million years actually watch a second of it. I'm glad you're doing it, not us. <laughs> yeah, that that's basically the gist of every conversation we have with people. I'm like, hey, once we're getting the clicks, I don't give a shit if you're watching it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm a publicity whore, what can I say? Um, no, I, I like when I think about it, when I got really into WCW, it was already starting to get bad. And I think the combination of me being a child and... and at the stage where I just wanted to consume all wrestling combined with that just being at the time where it got bad is probably mm-hmm. what started to give me an appreciation for the bad stuff because it was kind of like even at that age I, I said this before particularly during the Russo era 
I knew stuff was bad, but I'm just like, well, it's better than no wrestling. You know, sometimes that was marginal, but it's better than no wrestling. So I think through kind of forcing myself to go, I, I, I just want to watch wrestling. I kind of gained a greater appreciation for bad stuff, you know. I'm yeah, not uh, saying that I'm going to vote for like really shitty stuff as match of the year or anything like that. But what I mean is I, I kind of figured out how to appreciate the comedy and revel in the chaos of bad yeah, I, I think being a child of the Attitude Era, um, you can kind of, I don't I don't want to say you appreciate how bad this is, yeah. but like the treatment of matches, the like, the constant run-ins, the, the non-finishes, like it's kind of, it's familiar and it's not, like it does anger us because we know it should be a lot, lot better. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, we kind of look at it and we go, ah, they're at this again <laughs> yeah you know like it was i expressed with our group of friends the other night it's this phase that we're covering at the moment on the show that's the most difficult because it's the phase where they could have turned things around mm-hmm. and you every missed opportunity is like oh a good punch you know but a year from now when things are just in a hopeless tailspin uh towards mid to late 1999 in particular uh it's kind of like, well, now I can sit back and enjoy it because there was no way was this company surviving mm-hmm. once it had gone this far. Um, it's actually, um, Between the Sheets actually did an episode, I don't know if it was this week or last week, covering 1999. Yeah. And uh, the WCW section is basically Kevin Nash dressed as Vince McMahon. Ah, yes. Oh, what a time that's going to be to cover. And that's on Thunder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I can so picture it in my head. We have that to look forward to. Yeah, uh, Keith Brownie on Twitter. Uh, best and worst wrestler in a movie appearance. This is a great one. That's a great question. Uh, something we have talked about doing in the past is maybe some like uh, special episodes here and there is maybe uh, discussing some wrestler films mm-hmm. uh, um, at some let, point. Let's break that down into two. So let's start with worst. Okay. And we're not... We can't pick Ready to Rumble because that movie is so bad that everybody is counted. So, Can I do an honourable mensch from Ready to Rumble then? Oh, go on then. It's uh, Martin Landau as Sal Bandini basically being Stu Hart in that movie when he beats up, I think it's Sid Vicious and Perry Saturn. <laughs> yeah. Just the uh, biggest pair of geeks. Yep. Yeah. And Sid, at some point during the production or release of this movie, was definitely WCW champion, which is great. Oh, he would have been, actually, yeah. Yeah, because 2000 was very much the year of let's try Sid again. Yeah. Um, But, uh, ooh, let me think. So, worst. Um, I'm not confining this now to worst WCW wrestling. No, 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 no. Um, Ooh. This is a tough one because, like, I have the answer. You go for the answer. Triple H in the chaperone. Uh, yeah, it'd be hard to look past that, or like any of those. Is it twelve rounds movies? Was like, that was the it, Cena one that Orton was in the sequel for? Oh god. Um, I, I unironically love the first Marine movie. Where just like John Cena is impervious to explosions. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, what what's the, the back is the 
something Patrick or Patrick what's his name oh I, I'm not looking it up um, basically the bad guy that is fucking phenomenal in the movie as well um, I don't think I've ever seen that thing in full oh. I've just seen some clips that people pulled to take the Man, piss out have, of it you have to watch that movie yeah I was actually thinking there the um the the single worst moment of a wrestler in a film is probably that uh, what WWE was it a was it a marine movie where there's like that scene of uh, Dolph Ziggler karate kicking a gun out of Rusev's hand that was the most recent one I think yeah it was one of the, no I think the most recent one was the one that had um, uh, Becky Lynch in it Oh yeah, so you're the right, one you're before right, that, right. Yeah, yeah. and okay. that one also had Shawn Michaels in it, who would be a contender for worst as well, based on the single clip I've seen. <laughs> uh, also, shout out to uh, as worst shout out to uh, man legally distinct from Pete Dunne in the Fighting with My Family movie. The guy I haven't, I haven't seen it. So, like, there's a couple of actual indie guys in it, and there's a guy who looks so like Pete Dunne that I can't believe they just didn't get Pete Dunne. Uh, Kip Sabian is in it. Uh, as just kind of one of the the NXT class, Fair um, yeah. Um, so the, there's those. Uh, best is I have a laundry list of stuff. I don't think the Rock counts for this. No, that was going to be my one qualifier. We, we're not going to count the Rock because the Rock is amazing. So yeah. Um, so I I think iconic and one that probably is high up Keith Brony's list. Who asked the question? Knowing the man as I do is uh, Randy Savage in Spider Man. It's a great cameo. It's it's and it's the perfect cameo. The boom saws ready is just it's <laughs> iconic. Like it's uh, another another one from around that time, maybe a little bit earlier. Uh, Big Show in the Waterboy. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. The, the then of course there's oh what's the fucking longest yard as well had was it Cali and Goldberg? Cali, and... Austin, uh, Goldberg. Who else is in it? Is Nash in, Nash is one of the guards as well? Um, do you know what's uh? Do you know what's a good one? And if you don't know it, this might knock your socks off because I think I think it was Mark, our buddy Mark, didn't know this until I pointed it out to him. Uh, do you know of the wrestler cameo in Mad Max Fury Road? No, because I've not seen it. So Mad Max Fury Road is amazing. You should absolutely watch that film and watch it on the highest resolution TV possible. Or if you see it, come back to a cinema. It's one of the most like, like eye-wateringly beautiful film as I've ever seen in my life in terms of, like the colour and everything and the way it's shot uh, but as one of the the kind of the the post-apocalyptic uh, scary fuckers who, are, who is chasing down Max in this movie is none other than the Colossus of Bogger Road himself Nathan no. Jones wow that's a cameo yeah yeah Jesus He's also, um, he, oh oh actually do you know what one of the best ones of all time is Kevin Nash in John Wick Oh, that's a good one. I, do you know what? I actually think Kevin Ash is the right answer for best because he's been in yeah. so many movies and he's really good in all of them. Yeah, John Wick, uh, The Punisher. The Punisher, that was my one of my shouts. Um, Where he's dressed as, like, where's the Wally? Ru- was it? The Russian? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just called the Russian. And, and, he, he and the, he's, the, he's Russian in John Wick as well because he's, like, Mr. Vick. <laughs> um, obviously, Magic Mike. Yeah. He is brilliant in that as well. Um what else is he in he's in something else a guy who really you would think would have been a bigger just because the the charisma he radiates mm-hmm. would have been in more shit by now um 
are we counting Batista, seeing as he is now a movie star? I I wouldn't count Batista uh, from Guardians of the Galaxy on, but if you want to talk about him in that like Wu Tang Karate movie, um, I'm all here for it. I haven't seen this Wu Tang Karate movie. <laughs> yeah, oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like the it's like the man with the iron fist or something like that. I I can't remember what it's called. Um, also bonus shout for um the condemned. Uh, Steve Austin's uh, Battle Royale but not movie that's actually really good in its own little way that was Uh, like the um, it it was it's weird because it's like um, it it was like not a hugely fantastic movie but resulted one of my favourite Raw segments of all time with him and Santino oh I, I briefly remember this I vaguely remember like yeah, where Santino was like calling him out for ages about how terrible the movie was, and then Stone Cold showed up and he called oh, he him like, was Cold Stone Steve Austin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and he, and he hit him with the stunner where he went like stiff as a board and did the salute. <laughs> it's like one of the some of the best stunner bumps, like right up there with like Kurt Angle for best stunner bumps of all time. Um, um obviously, I think we have to mention the original one as well, though. Uh, Roddy Piper in uh, They Live. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that, the iconic that, yeah, line. That, that goes without saying. Um, Are we going to mention I, Hogan? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess you could mention him in Rocky. Uh, yeah. Thunderlips, yeah. But um, anything after re- that is just no. <laughs> it's, all, it's definitely everything after that is on the worst list for sure. Uh, moving on, because I'm conscious of time here to get into actual thunder. But uh, Sarah Forel, one half of Irish Wrestling's Power Couple, asks us, was a three count versus Young Dragon series as good as I remember? Or was I just young and naive? Sarah, it was great. Yeah, I mean, obviously we're not there yet. But I'm going to say with those six people involved, it was probably pretty good. I watched a couple of their matches like not too long ago, like a couple of years ago. Um, and yeah, they still hold up. Like obviously, um, you know, multi-man matches and, and ladder matches and things like that have kind of changed our expectations for that kind of wild spot fest match. But I think particularly when you take the context of what time it was in, I think those matches are still absolute bangers. Like the, the Starcade six-man ladder match. Mm. I remember that that was included on the WWE ladder match DVD set. And I was like, oh, this will be funny, a latter-day WCW match. And, yeah. Jesus, I was actually blown away watching it. I thought it was phenomenal. Yeah, and for a company that was so interested in blank-on-a-pole matches, not like not overly using the ladder stip. Um, no, they really, really didn't. Yeah. They, they blew through a lot of stiffs, but ladders weren't one of them. Uh, Ashley Clements asks, if you could rebook any pay-per-view in the timeline that you've already watched... What would it be and why? Until I saw they already watched, I was like, well, pretty much any of them from the end of 1999 onwards. <laughs> uh, the ones we've already watched, I mean, Slamboree was the worst, so probably Slamboree. Yeah, I think that's the that's the absolutely obvious candidate, especially with the kind of uh, the stuff we'll talk about on this this Thunder as well mm-hmm. that that plays off of it. I, I think that finish was was really dumb. Um, <laughs> Only for the fact that it was six days before, or five or six days before we started this podcast, I would have probably said Starcade '97. Starcade, like they, the 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 fuckery that went on there after building up Sting for so long, and it's not even the rest of the pay per view. It's that one match. Yeah, it's that one finish. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, is that? Um, 
Oh, apart from OTT, is there any independent promotions you follow in the UK and Ireland? Um, OTT kind of has a, a, a an airsats monopoly in Ireland, mm-hmm. so it's kind of the the smaller promotions that do run don't run often. Um, they don't really have stories, you know, to, to yeah. kind of follow. They kind of book their their kind of like whatever matches they can. There are mm. some kind of loose threads of stories going on in the UK. I I used to follow Progress back in its kind of heyday, um, and the same same goes for Rev Pro. I would dip in and out of uh, Rev Pro. Were never really the huge storyline promotion as much as the hey here's a match, give us money promotion. Here's a, here's a new Japan wrestler versus another new Japan wrestler. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, same with you. Like progress, I I followed for a good bit of time, but then it became progress that we all shit on now. Um, Rev Pro never really got into it. I watched match here or there. One that I I've, tra- I've traveled for both of those promotions as well. I've 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 gone to a super strong style. I've gone to two normal chapters of progress, and I've been to a, a global wars. Uh, double header for for Rev Pro, mm. and I will say Progress definitely the better crowd. Um, I think the one that we all seem to have has caught our attention is Riptide. Yeah, Riptide is one I'd like to keep up with more, mm-hmm. and I'd absolutely love to go see in person. Yeah. And probably twenty twenty, that's getting chalked off the list. Um. I would like to see that. I know I have an open invitation for friend of the show, Sean McGee, to go to a TNT show, but I, I don't keep up with it, to be honest. That, that's Scouse TT. Yeah, and I, and I hear, every now and then I hear things about the likes of Tidal. Um, mm. But, yeah, again, nothing really, like, uh, the stuff we keep up with uh, kind of takes up enough time. The only independent promotion, uh, apart from OTT, that I really keep up with a lot now is Beyond Wrestling over in the States, and that is, like, to the point now I'm I'm so into that product where I'm like if I ever go on holidays to the east coast of America again I am absolutely taking in a Beyond show uh, if I can make it happen um, the White Eagle Club in Bear- Berwyn isn't it? yeah or even the I can't think of the name of the venue in Worcester or you know when they go to the, the fucking casino they run American Rana mm. out of this year um, I'll just take any beyond I can get. I really, really love that product at the moment. Um, Try and go to the beach show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch <laughs> Warhorse nearly kill himself again uh, on a suicide dive. Um, yeah, that's that's all the questions for now. Um, actually, no, sorry, one more. Uh, we'll make this quick because of time. But uh, from uh, Cody Sandusky on Twitter, uh, favorite wrestling video game and favorite person to use in said game. Uh, I'm going to take this one straight away as the the video game guy of the two of us and mm-hmm. say No Mercy sixty four is the correct answer to that. Um, and I I don't really have a favorite person to like maybe Shawn Michaels um, in that who was an unlockable character. But uh, my favorite thing to do in that game would be to uh, grievously injure Triple H. Um, <laughs> that was a thing I would I would constantly do um, to the point where like you could use the modifications to add scars onto people. So I'd have these big bruising pay per view main events with Triple H, and then edit his his attire to make it look like he'd been horribly scarred by the violence of of the match we had had. 
Um, I, I mostly used my um, my created character that I had kind of like copied over from WWF Attitude. And in WWF Attitude, you uh, you only had a prescribed list of names that you could choose from. Right. And the one I chose was Hardcore, but with a K instead of a C, because that was the period of time we were in. Um, and yeah, I, I recreated that character as best I could in um, in no mercy and his finishing moves were alternatively either the last ride powerbomb obviously <laughs> given the time that it came out uh, or the falcon arrow which as anyone will tell you no one kicks out of that that is true um do you have an answer for that one for me it was and i'm not just saying this uh wcw nwo versus the world <sighs> yeah which was on playstation i want to say playstation one PlayStation. I can't, I can't remember which. Kid. Um, but yeah, getting to play with like New Japan wrestlers that I was kind of vaguely familiar with at the time, mm. that was a big, uh, a big draw. Yeah, I uh, I loved on the. I love playing the the N sixty four like mm. WCW NWO Revenge on the N sixty four. That was another good one. I didn't have an N sixty four. A friend of mine yeah. did, so I didn't get to play that one as much. And get to play as like Aki Man, who was like the dude in like a mm-hmm. big kind of Aki colored jumpsuit who had, I think he did like a Phoenix Splash as a finish or some shit like Jeez. that, which, which like in 1998 was like the craziest shit I'd ever seen in my life, even at a video game. Um, but yeah, I, I used to love playing around at, at that game as well. But I, I kind of remember No Mercy more fondly because I was, by the time No Mercy came out, I was like, uh, video games had me completely. Mm-hmm. Whereas when Revenge was at its peak, it was kind of, oh, I'd play a, a game if I was around a friend's house and he had it. But I wasn't kind of like obsessively buying and beating games at that stage. Um, thanks, everybody, for your questions. I thought that was really enjoyable. Um, we might do that again on a kind of like whenever we have a, a real bad week of thunder to talk about, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of real bad weeks of thunder, Lee, strap yourself in. Thunder episode 17, uh, May 21st, 1998, coming to you from Omeo, Omeo, o Cleveland, Ohio. Um, we start the show with a really somber, sepia-coloured flashback of Giant telling Sting he had a choice to make after Slamboree, and then Sting's gormless face from the, the pay-per-view that we just talked about on the last show. Um, it also showed us how Nash and a pipe made the save for Sting on Nitro, teasing allegiance between Sting and the Wolfpack. Um Tony kicks off the show uh, announcing a four-man booth tonight, which they never really had an actual four-man booth, but I suppose it's kind of a uh, a hot tag system uh, on this four-man booth with Tanae. Uh, and Tony is already in the ring to start off the show, which is, I think, like... Uh, I appreciate a show that doesn't start in the same formulaic way every week. And kicking off the show and Tony is already in the ring and he's doing the intro to the show while standing in the ring was pretty different. I thought that was very uh, Joey Styles-esque. Yeah, yeah. Very, From very Styles-esque. Absolutely. Um, oh, yeah, I, I liked it. I thought it was a nice little change. Like, you, you can hear him introducing the show mm. without ever seeing him. So all you see is, like, the rowdy crowd shots, the pyro, all that kind of stuff. And then it just cuts to the ring. And I was like, oh, this is different. I like this. Yeah, it was more like he was the host of the show mm. than the announcer. And he's here to uh, talk to the giant. Uh, giant comes out, and as he's coming out, somebody hoists up a sign saying, the giant is a fat, goofy, backstabbing caveman, which he can't help but point at. Um, 
Giant said Sting didn't understand his initial question. He was confused and under the weather when, when he asked him about joining the NWO. He assures us that Sting is NWO through and through with him. Uh, Lex comes out and call and Tony calls security to try and calm the situation down. Says Giant is lying. Um, the security team and various cruiserweight goofs come out <laughs> to try and break this up. Uh, and this is the start why do, of that. Why do you think the cruiserweights came out? Because they're goofs. <laughs> security just rounded up the first five wrestlers they found backstage yeah, yeah. this is the start of that era that has long persisted in history is like you can tell who a company doesn't give a shit about by the ones they just send out who have nothing better to do but to break up a brawl between mm-hmm. the real stars and get their ass kicked basically yeah um so the first two i noticed were secret and evan courageous um secret having his identity stolen and now is one of the the, the job guys here for the the security pull apart um, Lex said he was already busy tonight but he's more than willing to let Giant so- showcase himself and the NWO against him uh, Giant then attempts to recruit him to the NWO Lex spits on him and Giant decides to murder the entire cruiserweight division uh, among the bodies I saw f- flying around here were Viano 4 Silver King El Dandy and Super Calo as well as the other two that I already mentioned uh, and Giant accepts the challenge for later tonight didn't like this as an opener to be honest no it just it was stupid you know like if they just want to come out and say Luger is facing Giant because you know Luger is defending Sting who's not here tonight like they never tell you that Sting isn't actually there now obviously when we get to the main event we know why yeah Uh, I didn't get uh, the goal of a segment like this is to make you heated up and hyped for the match I wasn't more hyped for this match than if they had just announced that this was going to be the match you know Um, I felt it was trying to portray Giant as a wild, uncontrollable monster who, like, how is Lex going to... Why is Lex thrown out a challenge to this guy? He just murdered five or six people. Mm-hmm. But I think it felt very, very contrived and, and poor, especially the kind of... the calibre of guy he was decking here. Yeah, like, it was nothing. It was just... It, do, it did nothing for him and it did nothing for anybody else in the segment either. Yeah, up to the announcers. And Stagger Lee is actually wearing a shirt and tie on this show instead of the standard turtleneck, which is a fucking disgrace, to be honest with you. Um, uh, The announcers note that uh, Giant's ultimatum sounds very, very like the ones Bischoff used to make when the NWO got going. Uh, uh, He used to give them, was it 30 days? Yeah, that was the gimmick. Give you 30 days to make a decision. Yeah, um, whereas now big show or not big show sorry giant is just like pretty much you know tell me now are you joining now come on (laughs) um our opening contest yuji nagata with sonny ono versus the cat and his fabulous robe um is this the first time we've seen the cat in action since maybe week one or two uh i think we saw him a few weeks ago it's it's no more than the third time he's been on the show Um, have we ever given the backstory of the cat we were talking about this um, the other day. I, we haven't given it on the show. Yeah, on the show. Sure. Um, uh, will I do the honours? I'll, I'll allow you to do the honours because you were the one that brought it up the other day. So Yeah, so essentially, uh, Ernest the Cat Miller was a karate instructor. Uh, specifically, the karate instructor of Eric Bischoff's son, Garrett, of of latterly TNA fame. Um, essentially, that's how he got into the business is making that connection and and he came in uh, first as kind of like a karate you know almost like Mr. Miyagi sensei type um 
then around this time that we're talking about, he's essentially doing a Muhammad Ali character, referring to himself as the greatest. Um, and then uh, kind of as we go further down Thunder Road, he just becomes James Brown, but with karate. Um, <laughs> That's a very kind of spot on description of everything that the cat became. Yeah, and then he would later go on uh, post-invasion and all that to like very briefly show up in WWF um, and was the original or one of the original owners of the Somebody Call My Mama Funkasaurus theme song. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a dubious honor uh, to bestow on somebody. But at this stage, even though I'm not wild on the cat, I am wild about his entrance gear here. It's proper, like if you're going to do a Muhammad Ali gimmick, this is like a really kind of ostentatious boxer's robe like I wouldn't I wouldn't think twice if like a Floyd Mayweather came to to the ring in a in a robe this mm-hmm. ridiculous uh, white with leopard print trim a WCW logo on the front and a big fuck off lion on the back of it uh, firmly we can say at this point Lee the martial arts division lives um, strike exchanges early in the match Nagata hangs Cat on the ropes uh, distracts the ref as Sonny chokes him on the ropes but chokes him like the wrong way around where usually you get the guy with his throat against the rope and you pull down but this is like the back of his neck was on the ropes and yeah. he kind of pulled it was really fucking awkward Sonny Ono's not good I don't know um, speaking of which uh, Nagata throws Cat to the outside and Sonny sticks the boots into him uh, a lovely a lovely smooth knee bar attempt from Nagata on the Cat here um, Nagata works over the knee a bit more and Cat makes a, a comeback but uh, at least briefly here he's actually fairly credibly selling the knee um, to the point where it actually looks like he's blown it out um, there's a really awkward power slam uh, where the timing is just wrong on it. The cat mm-hmm. is hobbling around the ring um, and kind of really selling that anything he's doing seems to nearly buckle him. But then just like all of a sudden he snaps out of it and he hits his uh, rebound roundhouse Mirko Krokop style kick uh, off the off the third buckle and just beats him. What, what, I, I, call, just... what I called it was like a springboard um, disaster kick, you know, like Cody, Cody Rhodes would do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, out of the corner, and I was like, I, it wasn't like I loved this match or anything like that, but I thought they were at least trying to tell an interesting story until he just fucking snapped out of the leg selling he'd be doing all match. Um, I thought that was really poor, and something that people criticize WWE for nowadays, where guys like will will sell a limb for mm-hmm. twenty minutes, and then oh, it's time to go to the finish. I better suddenly Hulk up and become invincible. Um, yeah, did not didn't like that to see him like spend whatever it was, whether it was four or five minutes, whatever it was, kind of stumbling around, the, the leg is no good. And then he just springs yeah. to the top. Like, it, it, ridiculous. Yeah, and here was I thinking, oh God, like, well, at least that'll be the worst match we see in this show. Ha ha ha. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, we have a flashback then to Nitro and, and Savage confronting Piper over the finish of the match on the pay-per-view. More of that uh, as we come on through the show, unfortunately. Uh, can Saturday I, can night. I, I was just going to say, can I just say, yeah. those cutaways. Oh, I, they were dreadful. I know I said, I think it was the last Thunder episode, that they actually kind of, they added to the show and kind of filled yeah. you in on bits you missed. These ones added nothing. No, because they weren't showing enough context to understand why mm-hmm. anything was happening what they would do is they would show the preamble for an important bit of information and then as soon as the important part of the segment was about to happen they cut off and went back to thunder it was fucking maddening and it happened about a half dozen times on this show I hated it yeah it was very annoying 
it, they may, like they may as well have just given us no context and shown nothing. No, you know they, what I mean? They just went to ads. Just go to fucking ad. Like you, you don't need to show yeah. us those bits. Yeah, like they are, they've, they've to already it. told us that Piper and Savage are facing Hart and Hogan at Great American Bash. Yeah. They spent pretty much every match talking about the match, yeah. and then these cutaways like there's just nothing to them. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, the announcers by themselves are doing a better job filling you in than the the actual showing you what happened in Nitro is, which is really poor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a testament to like how God bless the commentators; they were really trying to struggle upstream uh, on these shows. Uh, they were really doing the Lord's work, trying to keep you anywhere. Uh, within uh, a, like an arse's roar of a clue of what was going mm-hmm. on uh, back to or yeah Saturday Night Tease giant in action Conan in action try and stop me um, then we get uh, a backstage interview with Malenko uh, and immediately from the the biggest heated reaction Malenko ever got in his career back to standard old plain Jane Malenko but he, like this is about as passionate as a normal monotone Malenko promo gets where he is like the the content of what he was saying was great but the lack of drama in his voice as he's saying it I didn't care for yeah like, so he's I, saying, I could see why he's trying to get fired up with what he's saying but yeah. like you just look at him he's just deadpan there's nothing yeah. there and, and what didn't uh, like what didn't help him was what it was contrasted against so he does this brief promo saying basically he came back to WCW to avenge his father he isn't done he's still coming for Chris Jericho uh, mentioned Boris Malenko by name said this one's for you dad which was a touching moment uh, and then it cuts to Jericho the charisma of 20 men throwing a, a just a fabulous tantrum like going from angry to screaming to just by the end on the floor curled up and sobbing <laughs> he just like by the end it's just like just saying I'm the champion yeah I, like it's just it, it's phenomenal the way he goes from so angry to upset to just almost denial just like yeah. just talking to himself uh, it's safe to say uh, like a lot of weeks the Jericho portion of the programme is the absolute undeniable highlight of the show oh god look there's nothing else on the show for a while except Chris Jericho yeah. and this Jericho segment coming up has uh, a couple of more of the iconic things you remember from 90s Jericho mm-hmm. so Jericho emerges with his conspiracy victim sign so yes it's the start of that thing uh, and he's wearing an, an outrageous denim vest as he's doing it uh, he gets on the mic, says he apologizes for the propaganda we just saw and that we won't <laughs> see it again. He says he's here to tell us of a humongous conspiracy. And I, lo- I, I love Jericho's use of, of certain words, uh, humongous being one of them. I, I, just, I was already laughing when he just said humongous. He said it's the scale of the, I believe it's the 1918 Black Sox, yep. the Roswell incident and the assassination of JFK himself. So that is quite a conspiracy. Um, he calls out J.J. Dillon and says he has a list and I was like oh my god it's the list (laughs) he was doing the list bit this far this far back between the 1004 holes and this clipboard which was very reminiscent of his WWE list uh, in appearance Uh, so he has a list of participants in the Battle Royal and that Dean Malenko wasn't on it Uh, he says the fix is in and he demands JJ Dillon come out and give him the belt back Tony is incensed by this and Mm -hmm. starts burying Jericho saying JJ Dillon isn't here and everybody in the back knows that if JJ Dillon is here everyone knows Jericho knows that JJ Dillon isn't here he's a coward basically (laughs) (laughs) do you know what Jericho is fucking brilliant during this 
Like, and you know what? You can't argue with his logic either because it does make a bit of sense. Mm. And that that that's the best heel. Like, there's the, there's he's the being ridiculous. Like, yeah. he's being ridiculous, and you know he is. And yeah. like, he's not getting his title back. But you can yeah. also see he, his argument. <laughs> it yeah, is logical. He's being obtuse and he's being difficult. But at the same time, there's the kernel of truth that oh, I guess he did technically get screwed. It's just we don't care because he's the heel. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have Jericho versus Super Kalo. Uh Jericho looking extra angry and vicious, laying in strikes and kicks. Uh, he hits, oh my God, a release German suplex where he... Super Kalo was about four inches shorter after this release, <laughs> this release German suplex with the spinal compression that must have taken place. Yeah, poor Kalo does not have a good night. Uh, he then um, he attempts to do a, a lion salt similar to Jericho's, uh, or he misses a lion salt. Then Kalo tries uh, a quebrada of his own, completely misses. Looked quite awkward. Uh, because Jericho goes immediately to the Lion Tamer uh, and wins by submission. Can I say, actually, something I only know was relatively recently, I am so happy they have gone back to calling it the Lion Tamer in AEW now. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, that Lion Tamer on Saturday night was fucking magnificent. Or just hitting him in the head as yeah, he's doing stamping it. Stamping him in the head and then yeah. like leans back even further, like more... Uh, more curve on the spine like it was just it would look fucking amazing um, yeah but there was only certain guys that he was able to do that on in WWE WWF who would like help him out by getting that painful angle I like remember Benoit Benoit one, yeah. yeah I remember a particularly distressing looking one on Rhino at SummerSlam 2001 oh that's right yeah that was yeah I remember that one that, that was kind of similar to the one he had on uh, Saturday night where he's like yeah. he's kneeling down almost yeah yeah Really good. Um, God, God bless Chris Jericho, star of the show here once again. Um, but yeah, Su- Super Calo's uh, quebrada, Jesus. He yeah. came very, very close to landing on his head. Yeah, it seems like maybe that released German suplex rattled him a little, and he was just a bit off from that mm-hmm. point on in the match, I think. It was a quite short match, but yeah, he, was, he seemed like his bell had been rung a little bit. Um, then we had what I think, uh, for people who've been watching the show, was an overly long catch up on Raven's antics uh, with Mortis over the last month or six weeks Raven is then out to, to call out Saturn he says he thought uh, he thought their friendship was worth more than his selfish pursuit of the US title which I thought was great a mm-hmm. great little line from from Raven there uh, Saturn comes out saying Raven is drunk with power he was never a member of the flock he was his friend and if he's ever going to be his friend again he will stop bossing him around uh, Raven kind of lamely apologizes oh, okay <laughs> um, I thought they did a good job of keeping Saturn's verbiage quite limited here because he's obviously not nearly in the same universe of promo as say Raven um, so they did good limiting like furthering the story while limiting his amount of time on the microphone yeah they, they kind of like they kept that aura about Saturn like he's just yeah. he doesn't waste time like talking the way Raven would it's yeah just, he just kicks ass yeah it's, it's literally just I'm here this is what I, the point I have to say good luck no. Uh, so Saturn just leaves uh, kind of weirded out that it was like kind of almost like well that sorted itself out a bit smoother than I thought it was gonna Uh, he moves on to Mortis uh, who Raven calls out Uh, Mortis comes out and says he wants the riot cops out of the way Raven sends the cops after him but it was a fake Mortis as Canyon comes out of the crowd in a fake nose for some reason even though nobody really knew what he looked like anyway (laughs) Uh, (laughs) which I thought was like (laughs) 
sorry, the more I think about it, the more like dudes, fuckers been wearing a mask for God knows. No one knows what he looks like. No, it's like sure. Even on the video package, they try to make out. Remember that fan attacked Raven or pulled Raven yeah. out of the ring? Yeah, they put that in the video package to make it seem like yeah. this was part of the story. This is this is just a thing that happens. Yeah, like. Um, and the fake nose as well was like <laughs> completely different colour to the rest of his face <laughs> I couldn't believe I could not believe it um, but he lays Raven out in a flash uh, and, and he's gone again With the, the gra- um, I always liked that move the downward spiral I thought that was yeah. a great finishing move again one of those guys Canyon always known for uh, kind of using interesting moves and inventing yeah. moves himself as well uh, another useless flashback uh, Piper and Savage Piper di- telling him uh, that he didn't know it was Brett that hit him and he's going to make a decision as commissioner uh, and then it just right before he says what the decision is just cuts off again uh, I think in their heads they thought if we piecemeal these flashes from another show then they'll keep watching this show. But to be honest, it was more like, oh, well, they'd probably just watch Nitro and skip Thunder. <laughs> yeah, because nothing nothing that happens on this show ultimately matters, which is, yeah. it's maddening and, to say as we're halfway through yeah. the show, but it's like, yeah, oh, it's, yeah it just doesn't matter. Uh, Jim Neidhart versus Fit Finley. This is at pretty much the exact halfway point of the show, as you said. Uh, Lee and I had counted in the first hour I think it was 14 segments only 3 of which are matches um, that was 14 segments yeah if you include like the WCW Saturday Night Tees and, and stuff like Christ. that it's it's in or around 14 um, Stagger Lee is back now saying that all he saw backstage after that last segment was a blur of a man he could not identify running out of the building he wouldn't have been able to identify him, Lee, if he was walking past him. No Nobody one knows, knows what Canyon looks like. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is this? Yeah. It, it, it makes the only no man sense. In the, company, the only man in the company, like, you would notice more if he put the mask back on. Like, And it's obvious that Raven doesn't know who he is because, as we know down the line, it turns out that Canyon was a, a childhood friend of Raven. No one knows. No one knows who this fucker is. Like the only way you would know it was him is if he walked past you with the mask, and even that could have been the fake Mortis. <laughs> it's like the the Eric Rowan and the fake Eric Rowan on SmackDown. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> Lee puts over. This is cool. Uh, Stagger Lee doing a bit of digging, do a bit of research. He's putting over Jim Neidhart as a powerful athlete in his own right, a uh, former AAU shot put champion. Um. I will say the only thing that he was thrown about in this match was his enormous gut uh, that he had at this point. Like once he took the singlet down, I was like, "Oh, Jim, that was a bad choice for you." <laughs> yeah, uh, did, this fucking sucked. Did fucking, yeah, like, it, why, why are we getting an Anvil singles match in nineteen? Yeah, it wasn't long, and Finley didn't look happy to be there. Um, yeah, he walks into an uppercut <laughs> at one point, and Brian absolutely buries him for it. <laughs> Uh, Tony's like walks into an uppercut and uh, Brain just roared what an idiot (laughs) (laughs) Uh, which he had also been doing when uh, they were in that feud with Henning and Root he was just constantly calling Bulldog and Anvil idiots which they are by all accounts absolutely Uh, Tombstone for Finley for the quick win here Mm. Uh, Tony is on the ramp announcing that after all the shenanigans the WCW Championship Committee has named Booker T the number one contender to the television title uh, at which point Benoit comes out to Booker T's music. What a contrast that was. 
Booker T's music and fucking stone faced Chris Benoit walking out. Can, can you see Benoit doing the pump it up? Oh, it was fucking weird. It was like one of those things, you know, you see the videos go around where somebody has edited one of the WWE games to have like Undertaker come out like the fucking or something yeah. like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah or Free Bella. Yeah, yeah. Some shit. That's what it felt like. Um, so he comes out, he's livid with the committee. Uh, said he's demanding to speak to the horse's head which is not a turn of phrase horse's head is the thing the mob do mm-hmm. in the godfather they cut the horse's head and leave it in your bed like the horse you want to hear it from the horse's mouth yeah. is, is what he was going for uh, Booker T comes out says he respects the hell out of Benoit but he isn't afraid of him the decision was made and they both had to live with it Benoit says you're number one contender you get what you deserve and I was like oh that's a tease from yeah. attacking him later on down like no he just attacked him fucking straight away and I love that Booker watched him back away like what five feet and then went, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, and he, then, he's, he's far enough away now I can turn around yeah <laughs> and then who should show up for his thunder debut but Stevie Ray, the future legend. When I think of Thunder, iconic stars of Thunderly, I think Stevie Ray. And do you know what's funny? This is going to be the what? start of the tease now of Stevie Ray. Mm-hmm. And it's based. It's basically repeating the, the Steiner's angle. Yeah. And how um, long ago was that? Two months. Uh, two months. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look. Look forward to Stevie Ray. If you haven't watched Thunder, <clears throat> as as I have watched Latter Day Thunder, um, this man becomes the the third man on commentary. Uh, eventually, actually, I think he becomes just a color commentator at a certain point. Um, he definitely speaks enough to be considered the color commentator, even if he's supposed to be the third commentator, and it is horrendous. Uh, but I love it nonetheless. Uh. He's here, and in one of the kind of the the most kind of go- like decent Stevie Ray bits, he says like, "Dude, we're from Harlem. You don't let people punk you out. You need to go backstage. And you need to step it up." Uh, which is a good kind of like getting mm-hmm. Booker all g'd up uh, to kind of pick a bone with uh, with Benoit. Uh, blink and you'll miss it. But the start of this next segment, behind the three kids in the Goldberg T-shirts, there is a man with the greatest mustache I may have ever seen in my life. Like, it's full Kurt Russell, Hateful Eight, like, massive fucking broom handle mustache going on in the background here. Uh, he pops up, I think, in this next match on the hard cam as well for, a, again, blink and you'll miss it. But it's, I mean, it, this was a, a choice in 1998, let me tell you. Fair enough, I did not see this guy at all, so, um, uh, it, you know. It's almost worth rewinding. Um, flashback to Nitro, Ugh. And Hogan is lapping it up about how where he goes, the money and the talent goes, and then introduces Scott Hall. As soon as he introduces Scott Hall, fucking cuts back to thunder. Fuck's sake. <laughs> like, the the big angle coming off the pay-per-view. And that yeah. that's the only thing we're going to get for the night, basically. Yeah, uh, but I will take uh, 100 video packages being cut off halfway through before I'll take this next match again. <sighs> Brian Adams versus Jim Duggan. Jesus fucking Christ. What did we do to deserve these two matches back-to-back? This match is the slowest piece of shit match I may have seen on this show so far. Straight away... This may be the one of the worst matches I've ever seen. Yeah. Straight away, the fucking state of the shoulder tackle that Duggan knocks Adams out of the ring with. It's like he walks into him Mm -hmm. and Adams bumps halfway across the ring and out of the ring like he'd just been hit with a nuclear warhead like fucking 
absolutely shit. I did. I did um, like uh, Lee Marshall trying to sell this as there'd be no high tech wrestling. Yeah, yeah, that that is for sure. No shit, that's Lee. his version of bowling shoe ugly. <laughs> yeah. I think. Um, the one good spot of this match is when they go to the outside and Duggan uh, smacks uh, Adams off the the steps. He turns around because Vincent is coming up behind him, and he actually cracks Vincent with a decent looking left hand. And Vincent sell of this by going kind of like Santino we were talking about earlier, going stiff, stiff as a yeah. board and dying. <laughs> it was the the highlight of the match by far. That's uh, Soul Trade and Jones for uh, any AEW fans. Oh, what a video package. Better than this whole show, that's for sure. Oh, I'd watch that video package for two hours straight instead of watching this fucking show. Uh, so yeah, I said state of the dive and shoulder tackle. Then state of the low bridge that Vincent does on Duggan to knock him out of the ring. It's like he low bridges and Duggan has a full five or six seconds walking across the ring to see this and stop the problem but he doesn't state of the dive and axe handle that Brian Adams hits on him a terrible back and forth and then Adams just choke tosses the referee for the DQ why did he do that why I oh and then like after the bell it just keeps going like it had never happened and there's like the slowest ever I'm gonna swing a punch and I'm, you're going to duck and then you're going to hold me in place when the other guy goes to hit me uh, when Duggan attempts to swing at Vincent uh, Adams accidentally clocks Vincent in the most predictable spot of the whole night uh, Duggan tries to ground and pound and gets stuck in the ropes he goes, <laughs> like a he goes to idiot. throw a punch and his arm gets caught in the rope how How can one <laughs> this person this man had been wrestling for decades how can he be this uncoordinated he wasn't that old oh my like this man, oh, this man wrestled in WWF in what two thousand eight. Yeah. Ah. Oh. Uh, Adams fights back, gets the two by four, goes to swing at L- Little Nate, misses. Duggan grabs the two by four and instead of hitting Brian Adams, inexplicably just tosses the two by four straight up in the air and catches it. He's a moron. <laughs> and he just bails. In storyline, this man is a fucking moron. Yeah. Uh, flashback to Nitro to. Uh, Lee's favourite wrestler Bret Hart uh, he says you can't put a loss in his column uh, reversing decision uh, or reversing decision because he won the match in the middle of the ring except he uh, didn't yeah he didn't he cheated um, then we had Van Hammer versus Saturn the forgotten sons of the flock uh, in a match here uh Saturn immediately starts throwing body shots which look really good mm-hmm. and Hammer responds by throwing much worse punches uh, Van Hammer got way too much of this match <laughs> considering Saturn Look, is the one they have plans for there was a match and Van Hammer was in it therefore there was way too much Van Hammer in the match very true all he should do is like if he's going to do anything interfere in spots where he whops people with stop signs is perfect for me um, what was up um, with Van Hammer's jeans in this match what was up with a lot of things in this match Lee? the, the jeans were one the uh, attempt I will say attempt at an inverted suplex from Van Hammer was horrific he, he fucking he got him over but just about <laughs> and uh, an Alabama slammer that lacked so much intensity that it was very much reminiscent of when uh, Giant gave Hogan the world's gentlest choke slam <laughs> Uh, Reese is up on the ropes distracts the ref while Raven comes in hits the even flow on Hanner, Hammer Saturn says he doesn't need Raven's help Raven goes you do 
uh, and then he picks up Hammer and nails him with a DVD for the three. Um, I I didn't like the match, but the bit where it kind of like Raven is in now and trying mm-hmm. to help Eb Saturn to prove that they're friends, but they're not really. He's just using them thing. I think that part was good. Yeah, there's a little bit of intrigue um, on between Saturn and Raven, basically. Um, yeah. I bet you can't wait for the Van Hammer Reese feud. Oh, I I on I'm on the edge of my seat, my friend. Here next. I don't know about you, Lee. We haven't talked about this quite deliberately because I want to get your impression on it and see was it just because I was starved at this point in the show. But with the exception of Chris Jericho, this next segment was my favourite thing on the whole show. Rick Rude was here. Mm. I I really liked this. I thought this was good, yeah. Because yeah. they the basic gist of the, the promo is apparently Henning is now on the Wolfpack. And yeah, it must have just happened on Nitro. Rude came out and it was basically everyone's been asking, what side am I on? Am I black and white? Yeah. Am I red and black? Blah, blah, blah. He brings out Henning and just says, look, we're we're black and blue. And we're, we're kind of, we're, we're true to each other and that's all that matters. Where we, one goes, the other goes. And that, like, it was just perfect. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah. we may be in the Wolfpack, but this it, that doesn't matter, you know? This is genuinely one of the best promos that has been on Thunder so far. I I I don't say that lightly. There has been a few good like DDP promos and and stuff like that that we've talked about in Raven promos and and you love the the Perry Saturn mm-hmm. one uh, there a couple of weeks ago. But this promo was brilliant. Like you said, um he's here Tony was saying that there's been some speculation based on Hennig joining the Wolfpack. What is Rick Rude going to do? Is he going to stick with his boy or is he going to go NWO Hollywood? They'd heard some rumours that maybe he was going to go NWO Hollywood. Um, he's here to introduce who he calls the next US champ, Kurt Hennig. Um, the announcers, uh, while they're kind of burying Hennig for his, uh, you know, putting himself as the number one contender for the US title... The announcer's like, Jesus, you don't want to put yourself in Bill Goldberg's crosshairs is basically mm-hmm. the tone of what they're saying. But Brain, kind of like paying back to some continuity of being associated with the man, puts over Hennig absolutely huge as a star. Just says like, Goldberg has to lose eventually. Basically insinuating that like, who better for him to lose yeah. to than, than, uh, than Kurt Hennig. It's brilliant. Um, out comes Hennig. He says, yeah, Rude confirms he's true blue, a friend to the end. He's loyal to Hennig. People say, is he red and black? Is he white and black? When he and Hennig get together, the only color you'll see is black and blue, yeah. which is a great little Brilliant line. line yeah. uh, hands over to Hennig. Hennig says he's sick of seeing the winning statistics of Mr. 89 and O. Says Goldberg is the biggest mark he's ever seen. I, I love that <laughs> Hennig doesn't believe the 89 and O and kind of shits all over. Yeah. Yeah, he just doesn't. He's not having it. I think it's like he says uh, something like, "I don't know who's keeping the records in here." Yeah, uh, he gives Goldberg to ten to come out uh, to confront him, but immediately cuts himself off and says, "Bill Goldberg is a coward," and challenges him for the title at the Great American Bash. He then goes on to cut a fabulous kind of like uh, kick a feud off sort of promo. He says. Bill Goldberg is the Titanic of the WCW, the boat that was built not to sink. A great American bash, Goldberg is going to hit an iceberg from Minnesota, fall down to the bottom of WCW, never to see light mm-hmm. again. Rude says, Bill Goldberg, or as I like to call you, we Willie Goldberg, united we stand, secluded you fall. Music hits. Brilliant. A fucking yeah. perfect segment. That's a money promo. That is like, they've cut a few comedy promos lately, but that goes to show you, you know, I, I'm not somebody who wants wrestling to stay. I'm not like a uh, a traditionalist where I, I don't want wrestling to evolve past the era of the territories and stuff like that. But there's definitely something to be said for some of these 
guys like a savage uh, like a, a Rude and a Hennig mm-hmm. who just still fundamentally get how to talk people into a feud um, absolutely I loved this so much I watched it like I watched it and I got all my notes down the first time and then I just watched it a second time just for my own entertainment it was really really good um, uh, hopefully they get a couple more segments in the run up now to the bash I hope so uh, we went from uh, good to very bad uh, next as we had Hoovy versus Horace Boulder um, who thought this was a good combination of men to put in a match together unsupervised the most awkward man in the cruiserweight division and a man with uh, 400 left feet um, the, the, I think the only highlight of this match really was Lodi is back and has uh, two signs one says Horace is the real man of the family when you know Horace being related to Hulk yeah. Hogan that makes me laugh uh, and another one saying Raven made Seinfeld quit which must be around the time that Seinfeld is finishing up um, he also had another sign what was this other one it said Fat Fingers the Magician I don't know if I even want to know what that uh, means neither do I but it's obviously some kind of joke or inside reference or something and I think it's better left unsolved absolutely not googling it I'll tell you that much um Every spot in this match is so fucking awkward. There's one point where um, Hoovy goes to do a roll-up for a two-count on Horace, and Horace, in an attempt to just do a forward roll, which, uh, as you will attest, Lee, one of the most basic things you learn in wrestling school, yep, right? It is, yeah. Um, he nearly spiked himself on the top of his own head trying to do a forward roll here. Um a combination of both him being awful and Hoovy attempting that roll up way too close to the ropes for a man of Horace's size uh, Horace goes to the outside when the ref is distracted so in comes Ru- mm-hmm. Reese. when Reese comes in Hoovy is so completely out of position that he had to pretend that he didn't see Reese and continue on with his spot the 7 foot uh, 4 guy that's getting into the ring yeah, yeah. Reese grabs him and hits the, the two handed choke slam or as I like to call it the big man finish uh <laughs> Horace has tremendous difficulty then picking up this tiny, tiny man, uh, hits him with a fairly weak sauce lariat and, and pins him. Uh, and I was just thankful for that one to be over. It sucked. Yeah. Um, Nitro and Hogan makes the sell on Brett to join forces. This cuts off mid-fucking sentence. Um, and I bet this was the most intriguing part of it. <laughs> I like the idea of Hogan being the like the vulture coming mm-hmm. in and trying to capitalize on someone's ill feeling by getting them into the NWO. I thought that, like in isolation, that sounds like a cool idea. Sure, would have liked to see more than five seconds of it, Lee, but I wasn't getting that. You should watch Nitro. That's where all the good stuff yeah, happens. Apparently. Um, back to the lads plugging uh, a match for Great American Bash when a whole fucking drink gets thrown at Tony from the crowd. Did I didn't notice. Did you not know? Like, oh, it completely stops him dead. Like, like a big splash in front of him. He's like, oh, uh," and he completely lost the run of himself for three or four seconds here. The poor guy. I must have been distracted for a minute, yeah. Oh, I felt so bad for him. I think, honestly, by this point in the show, I was given the show maybe like 20% of my concentration because... Yeah, it, it was wearing me down yeah. as well at this point. I think I went off and made a sandwich at one point just to, like, I paused it, obviously, because I'm a professional, but uh, I just needed to get some fresh air and a break. Um, but anyway, eventually he gets it out and says the match is Savage and Piper versus Hogan and Brett. Uh, Tony does the cheeky point off to the screen to the presumed assailant, who I have to imagine was being dragged out by security as he did that. Um, back to Nitro again, and Piper calling Savage out and explaining he didn't know about Brett fucking deja vu because they showed this part already 
uh, Brett is livid and Hogan attempts to capitalise by luring Brett at the end of the show. So basically, after all these piecemeal five seconds, 15 seconds, 20 seconds of different things, they basically just showed it all again stitched together. Yep. Because why? why not? Why not? That's why. It's it's thunder. They did not give a fuck and the show is only four months yep. old. Uh a man who did give a fuck was Randy Savage who who comes out here again looking like an absolute star mm-hmm. himself and Liz um, he he starts to cut what was on course to be a promo as good as Rude's but he completely lost the run of himself for a couple of seconds and yeah. just about got it back on track at the end uh, there's a very famous bad promo line in here in the middle that I remember hearing of and reading about a long time before I actually saw this footage but he starts off promotes an insane tag team match something like you've never seen before he says him and Piper hate each other but they hate Hitman and Hollywood even more makes perfect sense really good kind of laying the basic storytelling uh, bricks here Um, it's the whole the enemy of my enemy is my friend yeah, yeah, the uneasy alliance, but in a way that uh, makes sense that you're not going, oh, why are these guys teaming? It makes sense the way uh, Savage explains it here. He says, Piper can trust him. He thinks he can trust Piper. And that if Piper wants a piece of the madness after that, that's fine by him. He says, Piper's apology Monday was very weak as far as he was concerned. He was prepared for the tag match because after they kick those two guys' asses, he's going to slap Piper and leave him crying in his dress. Uh, then the promo goes completely off a cliff. <laughs> he says, Piper calls himself iconic. He doesn't even know what that word means. Is it like a bird, a dodo, that's going extinct, basically doesn't exist anymore? I don't know what icon means, but I know what the madness means. Uh, and he believes that they're they're going to, if they can get along, they, they'll do great in this match. He kind of just pulls it back to remind you about it at the end, but the fucking he, dodo segue here was outrageously bad. He was lost, yeah. He very much lost that at one point. He forgot, he definitely had a much better version of that line and completely forgot it because even Liz is trying not to crack at this point. And you know Savage, when he got backstage, would have went fucking mad at himself for not remembering. Yeah absolutely um, they were a weird segment very brief segment with Chavo Eddie and Eddie's mother <laughs> saying uh, he cuts her off while she's speaking Spanish and Eddie's saying oh she's just saying how proud she is of what we're doing with Chavo and Chavo's like that's not what she's saying at all <laughs> and then we get into our next match which is Chavo uh, with Eddie versus Belenko and Mike Tanay is appalled with young Edward Guerrero here <laughs> saying he's mi- misrepresenting the famous Mrs. Guerrero <laughs> she wasn't saying that at all I love love that Eddie said at one point oh and she also says I'm the favourite yeah and I I love Tanae basically low key saying I'm fluent in Spanish and know exactly what she was saying talking about she was talking about the tradition of the Guerrero family and how it was tearing Mm -hmm. the family apart (laughs) that's what she was actually saying Um, I kind of enjoyed Chavo in this segment we haven't been enjoying him so far but I enjoy him being like so super enthusiastic and it's like really throwing Eddie off it's really insincere as well like it's like yeah Yeah. Eddie's my favourite wrestler and he's showing off his t-shirt and he's all happy he's like yeah I want this match I'm ready I'm ready yeah I like this that was good Um, yeah and then the match started and like Chavo does one spot successfully and looks over to Eddie for like a thumbs up and approval which is really good (laughs) Um, Eddie is like absolutely perplexed on the outside mm-hmm. by this. I would have loved like a, a picture in picture of Eddie's reactions to all of this. And Joe, you know Joe, um, it's amazing. What during every segment that these two are out in front of the crowd, there is always very loud Eddie sucks chants. 
Yeah, and when they desert the Eddie Sucks chants this time, Chavo, loving his uncle so dearly, tries to beg the crowd off doing that chant. Um, match goes on for a few seconds and Chavo uh, dedicates a tornado DDT attempt to Eddie Malenko kind of awkwardly blocks mm-hmm. I think he was supposed to like grab him and slam him but the kind of momentum he wasn't able to puts him in the cloverleaf uh, Chavo taps Eddie comes in to berate Chavo and dare him to hit him Chavo kisses him on the cheek and then smacks him and even though it did get an enormous pop for the slap I kind of would have liked two or three weeks of him doing the faux insincerity yeah, yeah. Well, to be, like, I think, to be fair, they, they've kind of built to him hitting him because it's yeah. been, what, the past two or three weeks they've been, like, he's, like, been begging him to hit him and he wouldn't yeah. do it. I just kind of, like, I really enjoyed the comedy of this and it just selfishly would have liked a little bit more. It's not that it made no sense or anything like that. It's just more I, I kind of would have liked to have seen them stretch that bit out. We, uh, we should also say this was uh, Dean Malenko's first successful defense of the uh, Martial Arts Division Championship. Yes, congratulations to Dean Malenko and thankfully he defended it because I didn't want to go down the dark timeline where Chavo was our martial arts champion just yet I'm um, sure we'll get there eventually somehow yeah I, I can't the thing I love about our linear martial arts championship that we created on this show is uh, I, I just can't wait to see what sort of people it ends up on I have done no nothing like the research it would take to figure out where this belt goes no. I can't wait I, to yeah, see who it ends up on there's going to be random matches on Thunder where we're like yeah. ah they're not losing here and the champion yeah. whoever it is is going to lose yeah yeah our only criteria, by the way, for the Martial Arts Championship, for those of you who don't know from an early episode, was a championship we instituted for the Martial Arts Division that they mentioned for maybe one or two weeks and never talked about again. Um, so whoever won our first Martial Arts Division match that we declared on the program, they were the inaugural Martial Arts Champion. Um, it was Prince Ikea. Who, who was it? It was Prince uh, Prince Ikea, Prince the Ikea, Flatpak sorry. Sovereign. Yeah. Was, was our first champion then Jericho beat him and our only criteria is it has to be a singles match mm-hmm. if it's a singles match with the linear martial arts champion it is a martial arts championship match um, and then Ikea was defeated by Jericho Jericho defeated by Malenko so Malenko is our current martial arts a linear martial arts champion so I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes battle royals multi-man matches don't necessarily count unless Malenko himself is pinned uh, in this case our main event of the evening. Um, Did, God, I wish it were. Do you know how long was left on show when this main event got to the ring? Based on how long it went, all of about five minutes. Three minutes. Three minutes. There's three minutes left on the show when they got to the, got into the ring. And boy, they fit a whole lot of nothing in here. Uh, it's a very 80s territory uh, baby face trying to take down the giant... Uh, where he's doing his kind of running in, trying to attempt a clothesline to topple giant sort of stuff. Real kind of territory shtick. Um, real cringy in 1998, I think. Um, D- giant is responding here by trying to do some Raslan, um, including like a side Russian leg sweep, which looks absolutely fucking dreadful. Um, Lex finally gets him down and starts insinuating he's going to go for the torture rack when Sting. Sting. Yep, Sting. <laughs> Sting, big air quotes, comes out to attack him. Lex dumps him out. Bell rings for a DQ. Giant hits a massive choke slam. It look, it's clearly not Sting. <laughs> you know, from minute one, it's clearly not Sting. And the, the it's different. And what I like was build. the announcers clearly said it's not Sting. Yeah. So I remember the NWO Sting thing. 
And I remember it was terrible, right? The thing I do not remember is how immediately the commentators were just burying it. See, they didn't in 96. Yeah. In 96, he actually resembled Sting to a degree. Yeah. At the two, the, the two intermittent years have not been great. At this point, he looks nothing like Sting. Yeah. Like, pretty much immediately, Tony and Sagar Lee are like, that's not Sting. Yeah. <laughs> like, not even entertain it for a second. But Heenan, God bless him. It's just like, for divilment. I think it is. <laughs> Which I love. How can we be sure or something like that? He says at one point. Yeah, how can we be sure? Uh, they drape an NWO flag over Lex and leave as the show goes off the air. Uh, what um, I love is, I just thankful Imposter Sting doesn't even do, like, woo. Instead, he just looks at the camera and goes, Bleh. Yeah. <sighs> like, he, he can't was... do the woo, so he just does that, like. Yeah, and obviously he'd been sitting around all night in the makeup because, like, when he gets really up close to the camera, you can see how it's Sweat already off. flaking yeah. off. He's only been out there for like ninety seconds at most. Um, yeah, really poor end to the show, I've got to say. But thankfully, it was only three minutes, uh, as you pointed out, Lee. Uh, a real poor episode of of WCW Thunder. Hence the need for the uh, the entertaining Q and A at mm-hmm. the start of the program. Uh, Lee, who were your winners and losers for Thunder episode seventeen? Uh, the winners were Henning and Root. Um, yeah. The losers were, well, there was multiple losers on the show. Um, yeah, including us, the viewer. Yeah. Ned, if I had to pick one, Anvil. Or fucking not even Anvil. Adams and Hacksaw. Yeah. Because they looked fucking horrendous. Yeah, those those were both mine as well. My winners and losers. You can't like whatever. But there's a lot of losers on the show, as you say. You can make an argument for a lot of different segments being the real loser. Uh, the uh, the video production people mm-hmm. for the way they were putting those nitro clips in. A um, lot of arguments for that, but I I think head and shoulders above everything on this show. Um, even even our beloved Chris Jericho, I, I think the highlight, like just talking about it again, that rude Hennig yeah. promo just has me fired up. I loved it to bits. Um. Uh- I think very easily this was the worst show we've had so far. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Like there was no redeem, no match that redeemed the show in any way. Um, we we had a couple of shows where yeah, like how do you say there was one match that redeemed mm-hmm. it, or it was it wasn't that the show was outright bad. It was just it was boring or inconsequential. This was a show that was boring, inconsequential, and bad, with the exception of a promo. Like, and Sa- like the Jericho segments. Randy Savage was in the ring for all of what five minutes yeah and even some like even he derailed himself and like like compared to like Savage is great and we all love Savage but he's not Hogan he's not Flair yeah. he's not Nash in 1998 mm. he's not Sting like yeah like there was no DDP there was no Goldberg there was no star power on the show to save it either. No. You know, it it was just like, like it's just a really bad show. It's like, it's one of the worst hour and a halfs of wrestling TV I've seen in a long, long time. And our last thing before we finish up the show is we'll go to the finish counter. Me keeping track of uh, the matches that were on the show and the way they finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, inexplicably, there were eight matches on this show. I'd say they went a combined twenty minutes. It's incredible. Um, four of those had clean finishes. Uh, two DQ count out or two interference leading to a finish. Um, yeah, it was kind of a... It was just a, a bad old show. Um, that was Thunder episode 17. Um, 
not to leave you all on a down note, but uh, that is going to do it for us on Days of Thunder. Uh, at WCW Thunderpod is the, the Twitter account where we like to engage with people. You've seen over the last couple of weeks, we, we do bits here or there. We always like to hear about your thoughts about the shows, mm-hmm. if you're watching them or if you're just listening to the podcast and any memories you have around the time. But occasionally we'll do things like we do uh, this week uh, where we, we threw out a request for some cues that we would A um, on the show. And uh, we also occasionally will do the thing where myself or Lee will put up a picture and ask uh, somebody, uh, uh, one of our beloved Thunder buddies, to be our guest Samaye and uh, pick a beer for one of us to enjoy on the show from our, our, our little collections that we have brewing in our houses. Um, so at WCW Thunderpod, <clears throat> get in touch with us on there, follow us. It, it, it's just the best place to be to talk about watching WCW Thunder in the year of our Lord 2019, <laughs> Lee. Um <clears throat> And it's not a high bar to clear, but it's a bar we'll clear nonetheless. Uh, individually, I'm at the day to Dave on Twitter. Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Proud again to be part of the PWO Podcast Network. Check out all our mates uh, doing some fine programming where it's through the years, military industrial suplex, uh, strong style story, boom goes the dynamite. You name it, we've got it here. Uh, both old wrestling and very new wrestling in, in Boom Goes the Dynamite with the, with the Strong Style Story, lads. Um, yeah, that's that's going to do it for uh, episode 17 of uh, Days of Thunder. We'll be back to you in, in two weeks with another episode of the program as we head further on down the road, Thunder Road, towards Great American Bash. For myself and Lee, we shall see you in two weeks. I can see through the scars inside you I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart I can see through the scars inside you